0: This is the Grind, Sell and Elevate podcast by Tizer Evans, where we do a deep dive on how to stay driven, how to be a top tier salesperson and how to elevate the quality of your
1: life. Everybody, thanks for joining me this week on Grind, Sell, and Elevate. I sat down with Naraj Kapoor out of the UK. He owns a sales training consulting company. Everybody works in sales. He's also an author and a podcast host. Naraj has been an executive sales for a very long time, over 20 years. He has a wealth of experience. We talked about all kinds of really great tactical knowledge that you can use, skills you can apply right away throughout this interview. So please stay tuned. And if you guys haven't, Please subscribe to the podcast. Drop me a five-star review. Leave me a comment. Let me know what you think. Screenshot on Instagram or Facebook. Tag me in it. Let me know what you're following so I can repost it. Share the love and let everybody know there's a tremendous amount of value from the podcast. Thanks so much. And without further ado, here's my conversation with Niraj. Niraj Kapar, how are you? Kaiser, greetings in Texas. How are we? Okay. Good. Yeah. I'm happy to have you on Grind, Sell, and Elevate. Uh, the first person I've gotten to talk to in Ireland, and we we're kind of oh, just talking fantastic. offline. But I've, you know, <laughs> I've got a little bit of the Irish descent in me. Um, so I always love the accent. I see you're obviously an avid reader as well.
0: Yeah. Well, this, I'm, I'm currently temporarily living in my parents' house in Ireland uh, because of lockdown in England. So many things are shut. I thought, what's the point of living alone? And my parents really, really kindly said, "Look, why don't you come live with us? Your sister's nearby. You can pick up the nephews from school, give us a hand, do the shopping for us. Yeah, <laughs> just basically yeah. do all our handy stuff for them around the house, wash the cars. Yeah. Uh, but you know, in return, I get my mother's home-cooked Indian food every night, which <laughs> is worth wonderful. it. You know. So yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I it just works out perfectly too, because you do mostly do online sales coaching. Am I correct? Yeah, I've always been a face-to-face coach.
0: Um, Mm -hmm. I love face-to-face interactions. I love speaking at events. That's what, I guess, Benda Bouchard would call bringing the joy. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's it's my higher level, my higher purpose is what I love doing. And during the first lockdown, it really kind of shook me a bit because I've been through two recessions. So I kind of dealt with this lockdown and COVID quite well in the sense that I didn't panic like a lot of people. I didn't freak out. I didn't do nothing like a lot of people either, which is the worst thing you can do is do nothing. Right. So I just got on with it. I did the whole Brian Tracy thing of, okay, let's get a pen and paper, turn technology off for a day. And let's think of 20 solutions. <laughs> this is like a top 20 list. I love it. And it's fantastic for every area of life. Just do a top 20 list. And the first five or six are quite easy. And by the time you get to 10, it's like, this is really <laughs> difficult. Yeah. It's like, this is so hard, but that's the idea is to push yourself. and. After half an hour, I'll stop. Next day, I'll go back, try it again, try it again. And after three or four days, I had a plan. And within six weeks, I'd return to my normal revenues, but completely different revenues, but normal revenue again. So it took me six weeks to get back, back on my feet again, but it, it was definitely worth it. And everything now is online. It's not the way I want it to be, but it's very important to adapt to the market and, and where your clients are as well.
1: Sure. I think it's great now because, you know, when we do get back to normal, obviously, you'll still be able to walk back into your element and the thing that you're most passionate about, like you said, that kind of elevates you. But then you'll still have that income stream from online. And, you know, I I like I mean, too, I personally like selling in person and being with people in person, uh, which is what we're talking about why I'm here in my office today. But I I think that, hey, if you can reach seven billion people, why not? versus, you know, <laughs> just, the, just the people for me here in Houston. Um, yeah. <laughs> I would love to hear, you know, a little bit about for the people listening, a, a bit of a background and a bio on you.
0: Sure. I mean, a lot of people are naturally good at sales. I never was. I came from a family of, I guess you would call them academics. <laughs> they went to university, they got the same job, and they had that job for the rest of their life. <laughs> so mainly teachers, doctors, psychologists, I guess that's a makeup of my family. And nobody's an entrepreneur. So I never thought of running my own business or anything like that at all. And I I just found school, you know, growing up in working class Ireland, it wasn't very nice in the 1980s. There was a lot of violence, a lot of terrorism. And there was four TV channels, no Internet. (laughs) And even though I consider myself Irish, a lot of the locals, sadly, didn't see me as Irish. They saw me as being Indian or an immigrant or a foreigner. Guys, I was born here. I'm one of you. But I think the thing was as a kid, as a teenager, I'd go to bars and clubs and I wanted to meet girls because that's what you want to do as a teenage boy. Sure. Girls. And so I'd be going there and I just found it very alienating and just very difficult. So I kind of got lost in the world of movies and the world of music, especially rock music. And I just wanted to be the next Indian John Bon Jovi. I mean, <laughs> that, that was my goal. <laughs> Obviously I had longer hair, that's I had a right. six pack, I didn't look like this for God's sake. But you know, um and looking back, I was, you know, a very good piano player, great drummer, terrible singer. But nobody told me it was like those people you see in reality shows, Tizer. They walk on, and they're really confident, and they stink. That was me. Nobody told me how bad I was. All the producers just took my money. You know, it was it was <coughs> terrible. So I went That's to like London, it. completely delusional. I refused to go to university. So I'm never coming home to Ireland ever again till I proved myself as a rock star. And after three months, you know, epic. Virgin, Warner Brothers, Sony, they all said no. And I then spent a year and a half of my life, I guess you would call it in America, welfare. Mm -hmm. So that was brutal because I'd lost all my confidence. I kind of felt ashamed. I have no qualifications for anything. Now it's not a big a deal. 29 years ago, it was a huge deal. Oh, yeah. And I really struggled for a long time without work. And then one day my father came out to my horrible council flat really rundown area that i lived in and said right i can't have my something unemployed it's been almost two years enough's enough get a job and um, we we, tr- we tried everywhere nobody would accept me i knocked on every door and then finally met receptionist who was irish <laughs> and she felt sorry for me um and she got me an interview with the head of hr i told her my story and she goes my god if you can survive that you can survive this. I said, brilliant, what is it? She goes, sales. I'm like, fine. I literally started that Monday. So it <laughs> happened really quickly. Sure. And uh, that was the beginning of my career in sales. Wonderful. So what did you start out selling, if, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, sure. It was A4, mag- uh, B2B business magazines. So <laughs> okay. um, classified ads. It's like a lowest paid job, 10,000 pound a year. What's up with? 14,000 American dollars a year. That oh my sucks big time. <laughs> yeah. um, but then after a few months, getting commissioned. And then, you know, I did three things um, that got me regularly promoted in the office. So my boss was a woman, which is quite rare in publishing, especially, you know, 26 years ago would have been now. And she kept promoting me all the time and giving me pay rises, being really nice to me. And everybody ties her was terrified of her. I mean, she was she was a dragon lady for a reason. She would walk into a room. It was like a Death Eater in Harry Potter. The room would turn cold. I mean, she was just she would terrify. She would stare at you and just you would freak out in front of her. And I sit her, Look, the whole office has left one day. I said, Annie, can I just talk to you for a second? Please, I don't want to cause any trouble at all. But you're always really nice to me, and I'm getting a lot of people in the office making snide comments behind my back. that I'm your teacher's pet. Not that you're my teacher, even. But you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but why are you nice to me? For I don't understand. And she gave me some really good advice. She goes, first of all, I get to work halfway in the morning. You're the first person there. You're reading the competitive magazines. You're circling them, and you're out prospecting at half nine. I respect that. Uh, Second thing is you don't gossip. I hate people that gossip. I have no time for them. You don't gossip. And the third thing is you make me money. And that was it. And that's why I had a great career. I wasn't particularly smart. (laughs) I I struggled to fit in. I dressed really badly. Uh, It was 1990s. But, you know, but those three skills helped me just stay above everybody else.
1: Yeah, I think that that's super important when people talk to me about like, how, how have you done well in sales or how have you gotten ahead? And I just said, you know, for me, I, I didn't think I was exceptional, but I knew I had one thing going for me is that I could work outwork everybody. Yeah. And, and, you know, talk to us maybe a little bit about that. Is that something that you talk to actively coach with people is about work ethic? Cause I see that as a, you know, being a millennial, they don't, not a lot of my peers are always willing to come in an hour early or stay an hour and a half late. And that's something I just have always religiously done over the last 15 years. You know, is that something you talk and coach people on more? So sometimes you got to do the extra.
0: I always talk to them about do more than what you get paid for. You're, you're a big fan of Tony Robbins, Jim Rowan coached him. That's a very famous Jim Rowland quote. And when I just when I heard that, I'm like, oh, huh, OK, <laughs> that kind of makes sense. And so in all fairness, you can work, you can work people. But hard work will get you further, but it will only take you so far. You're really going to be smart as well. Uh, but I am always surprised with the number of people who say my contract is half nine to five. five. I am not going to work legally. You can't make me work. Am like, seriously going to do this on me? You know, right? A, a, a lot of people do behave like jackasses. I'm sorry, especially yeah. in sales. It does attract a large number of jackasses because they've watched the Wolf of Wall Street. Or if they're a bit older, they've watched Glenn, Gary, Glenn Ross.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. Mm-hmm.
0: And they think that is how salespeople behave, which it isn't. And most of the salespeople that I know who are very successful, they're incredibly nice people. Mm-hmm. They are incredibly generous. They are very hardworking. They will support each other. They are not jackasses. Most of them are really nice people. And that often
1: surprises people when I say that. Yeah, I agree. I think that... the. And, I, and I've heard you talk about this on some of your clips before, that uh, you don't have to hard sell people. And in fact, I think that that's a huge turnoff. And it is probably due to movies. They have this uh, perception that salespeople are going to try to trick you or going to, you know, strong arm you into something. And that's just not the way I've ever done business. And I, I don't, I wouldn't know, I wouldn't do business with someone who treated me like that. So I know that you've talked a little bit about that. So I'd love you to talk on integrity a little bit and how you teach that to uh, the people that you mentor.
0: Oh, it's so important. Look, people buy people. That's the one thing, you know, so much has changed in the last year and sales, more than the last decade. Yeah. But there's one or two things that have not changed, and I hope never will, and that is people buy people. And I don't mean the clients have to love you. I mean, if I look at all the companies I do sales training with that I have, two-thirds of them love me. They, they, they look out for me. We talk regularly. We know the name of each other's kids. You know, they're great people. But a third of them don't love me. They just moderately like me. (laughs) They they don't invite me to their golf days. They don't invite me to anything. I, I never socialize outside of work with them. You know, that's very, very important to understand. But they know I always have their best interests at heart. And that's really important. And, you know, these companies that I win is because I don't just call them up. I spend time on their website. I look at case studies. I look at news. I go on to their LinkedIn profile. I look at the profile. What do we have in common? What voluntary work do they do? Who do they follow? One of the first things I said to you when I met you uh, on LinkedIn was, hey, I see you follow Bill Gates. Have you watched his uh, Netflix series, Inside? And you go, yeah, I love that series. And all of a sudden we're connecting. It was right. that simple. Yeah. So you've got to do your research. Uh, You don't ask dumb questions like, so who do you compete with and what do you do? Those are the two dumbest questions you can ask in sales. Um, I think 25 years ago, you could get away with it. Now you can't. So you've got to do your research. And when you do your research in a company and you're able to talk to a decision maker or influencer about your knowledge of the company, all of a sudden you're up here and the rest of the salespeople are down here because they're not making the effort and if you roll reverse that to people who call me and sell to me i always give somebody 30 seconds because i know how difficult cold calling is mm-hmm. and after 30 <laughs> seconds i say excuse me do you mind if i ask what do i do for a living uh-huh. and majority of the time there's long silence in the phone, or they say i'm sorry i didn't look and i say okay but why would i do business with you if you haven't researched me and there's not a long closet but please do me a favor before you call anybody else Please make the effort to research them. I promise you it'll make a big difference. I wish you the best luck. Goodbye. And I'm really courteous about it because I know how horrible it is cold calling, you know?
1: Yeah, I do too. Um, <laughs> I've, done, I've done a lot of it. And that's great. That's great free advice you're giving out to people because you do get that a lot. And I one of my pet peeves is when you get that uh, person that bum rushes you and they talk for the first time. You know, uh, 120 seconds, and you're like, "Whoa, I, I, man, I just picked up the phone. I don't know who the fuck you are. What are we talking about? What's happening? Uh, I don't know." Um, that, that is great advice. I did want to talk to you a little bit. You know, um, everybody works in sales, so I, I did do my homework, I told you. So, uh, uh, thank you. <laughs> right. So now you've you've written uh, is it three books? I've written two books, books and
0: an ebook, which was published by a publisher. That's one of my lockdown successes this year, getting a publisher.
1: Yeah, no, wonderful. So Everybody Works in Sales, Was the, your, your first book came out in 2018, um, right? And, and so I wanted you to talk a little bit about it because the, the, the title is very intriguing. And I think I know, I haven't read it, I want to. Um, I'm going to put it on my list for, I have, a, we do a book club for my team every month. So every month oh, we, read cool. it, we, do a sales, we do a sales book. So I would like to, you to talk about your book and what inspired you to write it and what your goals were trying to help people.
0: Yeah, I had a great career in sales. I spent 23 years in sales working for corporates as a sales executive, then as a manager, and then running sales teams and coaching sales teams. And what I got the most joy from was coaching younger salespeople and helping them get results. That is one of the greatest feelings in the world. When you know you've helped somebody buy a car in, on a big level, get a deposit in the house but majority of the time take two or three nice holidays a year and buy some yeah. nice clothes and be able to be able to take care of their friends or at least go on nice holidays. You know, that's what a good manager does. It, it's not about getting your target. That's your job. You know, right. it's about taking you over your target and making you a better salesperson because so many salespeople hit target once or twice and think they're God's gift to sales. Um, and <laughs> They're a nightmare to work with, but yeah. they do exist. My uh. job is to get you consistently to sales, time and time again. And when I started making that difference, I'm like, oh my God, this is incredible. And they would tell other people about me and it made a difference in the companies I work with. But then the last two years in corporate London, I got disheartened because it became very ruthless. It became all about profit. Nobody cared about coaching. And I just wasn't enjoying it much. And if you're not enjoying your work, you need to ask yourself, why? Is it the people I'm working for? Is it me? Is It, it just wasn't in, in line with my values anymore. You know, it was all profit. Now, don't get me wrong. Businesses are built for profit, of course. But you have to enjoy what you do. You have to enjoy the culture. And I just wanted a coach but I was too chicken to set my own business up <laughs> I was because everybody I spoke to was running your own business is so hard. I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll never do it. I'll be comfortable with my six figure salary working in sales, which I loved. It gave me a good life, a beautiful house, beautiful car, beautiful holidays. Why would I leave that for? But the last two years, my wife at the time said, look, you're miserable. You're so unhappy. You need to set your own business up. And because she was a very successful businesswoman herself, that, and she came to this country, to England as an immigrant, from India, 18 years old. And now she's just amazingly successful. She did this all by herself, no family support. My family couldn't help her, they're they're academics. You know, she did it all by herself. Amazing woman she was, still is. And that kind of inspired me. And um, so I wrote a book about my life in sales because I thought, you know what? How am I supposed to write anything better than Jeffrey Gittimer (laughs) or or Jeff (laughs) Blunt or Anthony Annarino or even Zig Ziglar? It's just not possible. I kind of combined sales and personal development because like you mentioned, Tony Robbins and Brendan Bouchard, that gave me an edge, but it wasn't enough. So I thought, what if I tell my own story? Because storytelling is one of the most underutilized skills mm-hmm. in sales. People yeah. don't tell enough stories. They tell a lot of facts and figures that you forget about, but they don't tell stories. So every chapter of the book is a story of my life, and at the end of each chapter, it's a lesson I've learned in sales, and there's 27 chapters, 27 lessons, and I then interviewed people as a bonus—people who didn't work in sales, but were very good at sales—and I interviewed them just three or four pages each. So it was kind of different to any book out there, and that's why it did so well. And it, it went—it was slow at the beginning, then it got to number 80, then number 70, then 60, then 50, then all of a sudden number 17, and I was taking pictures all along, putting it on LinkedIn, saying, "Guys, look at my book." 200,000 books, number 20. Look, here's a picture of me opposite Simon Sinek. Here's a picture of me opposite Tony Robbins. Unleashed, you know, it was uh, Awaken the Giant Within. You know, literally pictures of my books next to their books. And people just kept buying it and buying it and buying it. Spent 22 weeks in the Amazon Top 100, which for a self published book is unbelievable. Yeah. And, you know, it's been two and a half years. The last time it went big was October. It got number 52 out of 600,000 books. It's incredible. Absolutely So incredible. people just keep reading it. And I look at all the reviews on Amazon saying, <laughs> I recognize two people there. Who are the rest of these people? I don't know who they are, but I'm so grateful to them um, because they're just reviewing my book, raving about it and telling their friends to buy it. So you do need a bit of luck, of course, as well.
1: Yeah, I think that if the, you know, uh, I it took this web class with um, Riley Meek and Steve Weatherford. I'm not sure if you're familiar with them. Um, and anyway, but, you know, they were talking a lot about once you're in alignment, you know, the assignment comes. And when the right assignment comes, like, you know, people will gravitate towards it, you know, hearing your message. And I think you hit on a really key part that not a lot of people talk about in storytelling. Um, and as one of the things that I organically, I felt like I always have done well, because I think it it allows you to you put your customer in a position to where they can see themselves utilizing the good or a product or a service by telling them a story about yourself or a prior client. And we read uh, just recently, Kendra Hall's book uh, stories that stick. And okay. so, That was a really impactful book for my team. And um, she was great. She commented. uh, I I did a YouTube video on it. She even commented on it. Um, Really sweet lady. She hit me up on uh, Instagram as well. Had some good interaction with her. But it was a great book just about how to lay out fundamental stories. So I'd be really interested in reading your book um, because storytelling is so underutilized. I think it's almost as underutilized as listening. Oh, 100%.
0: And it's really nice because people relay the book back to me so much, which you don't normally do in a sales book. A sales book is generally read by salespeople, in all fairness. Um, and I think because of my career in London, a lot of people who work with me in marketing, HR, management, I just went out and bought it. Like, I didn't expect to like your book, but I did because it's all storytelling. I talk about so many parts of my life, like, um, you know, how I spent years being single in London. And back in those days, 25 years ago, nobody joined dating agencies only the most desperate people in the world did now of course it's very common 25 years ago it wasn't people made fun of me and i just kept getting rejected i didn't give up i went to india i had an arranged marriage to a woman i met for 20 minutes that's how desperate i was and four days later 800 strangers turned up at my wedding, you know. Like, Whoa! But, you know, and we ended up having, we were married for 21 years and she made me successful. I made her successful. We sadly got divorced last year. It was, it was horrible, but, you know, those 21 years were, were great because we made each other successful. But that's a good example of resilience. But it, it, the whole time I'm telling you stories and uncovering parts of my life that most people didn't know about. Mm. And that's the, almost like the element of surprise. Like, oh my goodness. Oh God, this guy really struggled. Oh, that's a really nice success story. Oh, it's horrible bad luck. Oh, that's brilliant. And and, and that's you're taking on this roller coaster ride of emotions. And people were surprised that before I had success in life at the age of thirty nine, how much I failed. I mean, you know, even my ten years in publishing, I was above average, but I wasn't like earning six figures a year. I was doing well. I was respected, but I wasn't doing amazing. I was just slightly above everybody else that was all slightly because of my work ethic and the fact that the publisher supported me you know um and at the guardian um newspaper group which is a big newspaper in england um Uh i launched in 2006 the first ever future media summit and Uh we talked about things like social media and mobile things that nobody knew about including myself i had a clue about it and uh, i got a chance to meet directors at microsoft and and bt and yahoo companies i probably couldn't even meet today you know um (laughs) And it was great. So I got a chance to be part of something very new and exciting. And I got to meet bigger people. And one of the big uh, tech companies I won, um, it was incredible. Uh, He he literally said to me, that is the most amazing presentation ever. I'm like, really? Because it wasn't that good. I I generally didn't think it was that good. It was kind of boring. I thought, thought, can I ask why? Because it wasn't fancy. It was really basic. He says, Neraj, as you ask me questions. You research my business. You know so much about my tech company. You know, It took me several months to learn this. I spent days learning it. You know so much about my business. You spent most of this just asking me questions. And you spoke for five minutes. That's my dream. <laughs> You're a salesperson who barely speaks. You're my dream person. You know? um, and I won that. So I, I learned so much about asking good questions, listening. All of a sudden, I'm getting better and better. And again... I was successful, but I wasn't hugely successful. And it wasn't until I got a coach in 2011, my career went to another level. I discovered personal development. I discovered Tony Robbins. I discovered Robin Sharma. I started doing their courses. I started reading their books. And all of a sudden, this world opened up to me, Towser, that I'd never knew existed. And all of a sudden, I, my career, people were just, how's this guy doing it? How's this guy doing it? I'm like, I read books. I invest in myself. It was so simple, but yeah. people thought I was some kind of genius, but I, I'm, I wasn't. I, I just invested massively myself. That was all.
1: That was really what I did. I love that takeaway. I had the same experience. I think that the personal development is uh, is key, and a lot of people miss that. And just you know, an hour a day, how much it can really change the trajectory of your life. You know, feeding yourself some positivity through a book or a podcast and whatnot. Um, you know, I want to ask you: was it was it hard to be vulnerable, telling stories about yourself in the book?
0: It's talking about it in the book was quite easy. Uh, talking about it LinkedIn is terrifying. I don't know why. I think in the book, it was very therapeutic getting it out of my system Mm. and I had no problem doing that because I was telling stories based on my real life. But on LinkedIn, I don't know why, but I only started doing this about a year ago. I started talking about my mental health battles and the depression because people didn't expect a guy like me who's very positive. I always look at the glass half full. I'm always supporting other people. I don't walk into a room with negative energy on me. I'm always quite positive. They started to see changes in me of just almost heaviness. I didn't quite have my zest for life that I had because my whole world was falling apart. My daughter had gone to university, which is a big shock for any parent. We had no family nearby, just me and my wife. The marriage had kind of run its course. We were hanging in there for dear life because we both had success in in our businesses, in in our careers, I should say, but not with each other. But we had bought the dream home the country house, the English country house where the top 1% live in England, in our, in our country, probably the top 10% of England. It was a beautiful country house. Hello, well, how are you? Hello. you know, All the neighbors were super posh. It was <laughs> yeah. great. We both had dream cars. And all of a sudden we're working seven days a week and almost every night pay for it. And the joy went and we were tired and we were frustrated working day yeah. and night. And I really wasn't happy, but I didn't want to leave. Because my wife was beautiful, <laughs> she was gorgeous. I mean, everybody say, "How did you get a wife like that?" I, say, I have no idea, you know. Um, and she was stunningly beautiful. Still is. She was successful at her job. She was a great mother. Yeah, she still is a great mother. But I didn't want to leave, and she didn't want to leave. But we were so unhappy together. So I took the step of going to see a solicitor. That made me the bad guy, and it created this massive ripple effect. Which, you know, in life, certain things happen to you that you have no expectation of no expectation and the ripple effect it would cause with my in-laws being upset my parents being upset my friends not wanting to get involved you know it's the money that you lose financially all those years of commissions and bonuses gone it was a horror show and then my health got worse so it was just one bad thing after another and it, it was kind of terrifying really and truly terrifying but i didn't know how to cope with it So I started writing about it because prescription drugs weren't working, (laughs) therapy wasn't working. And I started talking about how lessons I've learned from going through depression. And people were like, oh my God, we never knew. But the biggest thing was so many men would message me privately. Uh-huh. Saying, I went through that. Thank you so much for talking about it. I said, No problem. Why don't you comment my post? Uh, no thanks. You know, men really struggled to talk about it publicly, but they were happy to talk to me privately about it. And that was a big surprise. And I also won one or two clients out of it, which again, I was not expecting. People who are in my pipeline, they haven't said yes to me yet for a variety of reasons. All of a sudden, this guy near me, he's a real human being. Yeah. yeah. He's a real, you
1: know, people buy people, you know. Yeah. Yeah yeah well thank you for sharing that you know and i just i want to acknowledge you for sharing that because that's that's big of you and i think that so many people out there they are struggling and they feel alone in their struggle and they don't realize that there's so many people that are walk around just like them. And the more that we can be vulnerable and open up, the more that we can all help and love each other. Uh, so I just want to acknowledge you for doing that because I'm sure you helped oh, a lot more a lot more people than you even ever DMed, you know, and let you know. So um, now I do want to talk to you a little bit about LinkedIn because uh, that's obviously mm-hmm. where we, we where we connected, yeah. and I've been very impressed with your presence on there. Um, I love your videos. Um, so you know, really, how have you gained such organic? organic growth on LinkedIn? And why do you think that, that or do you think that's the best platform to connect with clients? I I certainly do. Um, And, you know, how how has your your growth gone on there and kind of what's uh, gotten you there?
0: Yeah, my growth's been very recent. So I was an early adopter of LinkedIn i was there about 2006 maybe 2000 really early mm. but like most people i just had an average presence there was nothing special about what i did my about section was the same cliched nonsense i'm very passionate about my job <laughs> i'm a people person all the usual awful yeah. stuff people write, um, and it was like that until 2018 there was no reason because i worked at a corporation why did i care about you know it just wasn't of that importance to me and then 2018 I set my business up after Everybody Works in Sales became really successful. I saw the royalty checks coming in thinking, this is amazing. But of course I didn't realize that the royalty checks disappear after a while. (laughs) Even if you're, you know, even the book's successful over two and a half years, you only get so much. And I'm like, ah. So I had to learn very quickly how to run a business. And I think I spent my first year of business trying to understand how to run a business and not enough time growing my business but that was just lessons learned you know and in 2019 i'd gone from i think four maybe 500 people to maybe about 1500 and then it really took off on january the first this year and i went from having about 15 1800 people to now which is 6200 so if you like, I've gained almost 800 followers a month organically, Would that be maybe 700, which is not amazing, but it's very respectable. Oh, yeah. And that all came about through a couple of things. One was on the 1st of December, I talked about how I spent my first Christmas alone, which was horrible. I would never wish it on anybody. It it really and truly is the worst way to spend your life living alone, having just got divorced. The house I was moving into wasn't ready yet. So I I stayed in a one-bedroom flat. It was just miserable by myself, having Christmas dinner by myself. And I kind of fell to pieces. I really did. I ended up going onto social media, trying to find friends, just people to talk to me. It was that bad because I didn't want to interrupt people on Christmas Day or Boxing Day. You're with your families. And so on on January the 1st, I hired a mindset coach because I kind of reached my breaking point Mm -hmm. and he helped me out. I I did a post on LinkedIn saying, here's my story. Here's the horrors I've been through. Here's the full story of my problems. And thank you to Billy, who's a a mindset coach, former boxing champion, who helped me through this. And the outpouring from people was like, oh my God, we didn't know. And so why didn't you call us? We could have, you know, it was just, it was, it was very emotional. And again, that just took me to another level because all of a sudden I'm not a sales guy <laughs> because right. there's too many sales coaches out there. One thing this world does not need is another coach. It really does There's too many of us. And most people who call themselves coaches, by the way, are not even qualified to call themselves coaches. They just can't right. find work. So they call themselves coaches. Um, You know, and so that really helped me. And the second thing, of course, was embracing video. And that has really helped my engagement grow so quickly. I was very reluctant to do video because I look like Shrek. I mean, let's be realistic. You know, I I, I have a massive nose, huge ears. I have no hair where I want hair and hair everywhere else where I don't want hair. You know, It's like I, I was so reluctant to do video. But, you know it, it's really important to surround yourself with some good people so Daniel Disney great friend of mine hmm. he, he, he's made a great career because he was a very early adopter on LinkedIn to sales memes but also video and he's really done brilliantly out of that and if you surround yourself with good people they will encourage you near ads you should really do more video and he, he encouraged me to do that as well so I shot more video and the early videos were just I cringe I, I look like some kind of crazy guy going so here are three things you should do, that will help you, <laughs> that's so bad. I got all this experience selling. I can, I can sell in front of a board of directors, but looking at a tiny little camera, I was so bad, um, really bad. But it's like anything, you practice, you practice, you practice, you get better, you make mistakes, you get better, you get better, you get better you make mistakes, get better. Um, that, and I think the third thing is a charity work I do. I do a tremendous amount of giving back. Mm. And during lockdown especially, I helped so many businesses who are just struggling. A lot of people had lost jobs, I did a half hour. I still, even on the second lockdown, I'm doing this. I help people just say, look, I saw you lost your job. You don't know me, um, but I do a lot of LinkedIn training. Give me a buzz. I'll help you out. If you don't LinkedIn training, I'll do sales coaching. And some people chose LinkedIn. A lot of them chose sales coaching. A lot of them chose mindset coaching. And I helped them for half an hour. I asked for nothing. I didn't say, look, give me a shout out on LinkedIn. I didn't say, give me a testimonial. I think nobody gave me a testimonial. Quite a few of them on LinkedIn posted about me saying, thank you so much, Neeraj. I got a new job today. Neeraj helped me do it. I just want to say thank you. And that was a really nice thing that people did because I, I never asked for anything. I just said, look, good luck. I think people were quite surprised this guy's not selling to me. (laughs) I think they were expecting me to sell to them. A lot of people I reached out to help said, no, thanks, I'll be okay. Because I think they assumed I was going to try and hard sell them. I wasn't. I was genuinely trying to help them because I know how difficult it is having worked through two recessions. I know how difficult it is to lose a job. And I was just trying to help people out. So, again, being genuine, helping others, even the videos I do are helping others. Yeah it makes a big difference and it helps separate me from the competition in a big way
1: yeah that law of reciprocity is is everything it really it really will come back to you tenfold um i love that you did that that's just it's that's that's really actually really wonderful and it's something people should have done more especially people uh who had a lot to give during this time and didn't lose their job um now, is there any strategies that you could maybe one, two, three steps that you could say, hey, don't do this, or these are things you should be focused on? You know, using LinkedIn as a way to engage with your prospects, your clients, your, your dream clients?
0: Yeah, sure. Never contact your dream client and say, I'd like to do business with you. It's a waste of time. And they'll often reject you. Or if they accept you, they won't engage with you ever. Uh, so don't, don't sell straight away. Even though I, I believe in selling. Don't sell straight away. Research the person you want to speak to. Research the company they work for. Spend 15 to 20 minutes just having a look at a blog or a case study or a news. The person you want to do business with, look at their LinkedIn profile. What are they liking? What are they commenting on? Have a look at their posts. Like and comment on their posts. That's really important. Uh, Quite often, if I really want to do business with somebody, I will share their post. I do that probably once a week. I'll just share somebody's post and say I share and I message them saying, "Dear such and such, I message your post about this because I thought it was really good. Keep up the great work. Best wishes, Nairage." Not, I'd like to be your sales trainer because they won't accept that. Um, because I've tried that, thinking I'm being really genuine here. I, I coach your two biggest competitors. Mm-hmm. Surely they'd want to me. No, they couldn't care less. They just see me as a salesperson. So if you like and comment people's content even share their content and then connect with them and let them know that majority of the time they will appreciate you for it and then you share value maybe a week later and then a week after that, that's when you sell to them or personally, you pick up the phone and sell to them Uh, and and that leads me on to the second point is that people often sell one way. So when people try and sell to me, they'll email me and email me again and email me again. Like, dude, if you're so lazy, you cannot pick up the phone I'm not going to do business with you, and this tends to happen a lot to younger people uh-huh. and to women. They just don't pick up the phone. <laughs> I, I rarely get cold called by a woman. Rarely, men will cold call me. Women rarely do, and young people rarely pick up the phone. They just think that email is the way to communicate. They're so scared and terrified of the phone. You know, it just—it. I've it ama- actually said to some people, "Look, I'm interested in your product. Call me." email me back. I mean, it's just incredible. People are so terrified of the phone. So um, research somebody before you contact them, share and like their posts. Don't just use one method of communication. Multi-platform selling does work. Please pick up the telephone. If anybody shows interest, pick up the telephone. Do not negotiate by email for the love of God. Don't do it. Just don't do it. Okay. And I think one thing that's working for me fantastically this week is uh when I'm prospecting, this is my this is my key time of year for prospecting, December and January. I'm shooting videos up to one minute long, saying, Dear such and such, 2021's coming up. You don't start 2021 in January, you gotta start it in December. I want to help you get the results you want in 2021. I then edit it, put their logo on it, upload it onto YouTube as an unlisted video, and send them that email. And I did that to 10 prospects this week, eight of them replied that's wow. eight out of ten is really high the other two yeah. just will never reply to me ever uh, out of the eight people two of them replied and even just said didn't even mentioned working you just said thanks a lot for the video that's really creative i'm like that's all you have to say <laughs> but <laughs> that's okay at least they responded but, um of the six people that were left two of them said call me next week i'd like to talk to you that's a good result. One person said, look, things are a bit iffy here at the moment. One person said, I've lost my job, but I haven't updated my LinkedIn profile. Yes, I'm really sorry to hear that. I just had a look at your LinkedIn profile. It can do some update. Why don't we have a little chat? I'll give you you some tips and hints. You know, so all of a sudden I'm engaging with people. If I sent an email to them or a LinkedIn message, it would not have been as effective. And again, That's my competition. And my competition are not shooting videos. They're not adding logos onto the videos. They're not uploading it to YouTube. This is a really time-consuming, pin-and-ass way to prospect. But it's so effective. Yeah. And again, this is the power of reading books, people. Because in Jeb Blunt's book, Virtual Selling, he recommends it. And I read it at the weekend. I implemented it this
1: week. It is a wonderful book. That was the book that my team read last month.
0: Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. Three quarters of the way through, loving it. Absolutely loving it.
1: Yeah. No, it's, it was a wonderful book. Um, I've tried to be an early adopter. We, we started using CoVideo as an email uh, video uh, template platform. Um, and then we just switched over to that uh, Vineyard. Is it Vineyard? Oh, yeah. yeah. Vidyard. 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 Yeah. Vidyard. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm a because I, I think it's the best way to engage with people. You know, they can see your face, hear your voice. Um, they're going to open it. if you Like you did, putting their logo on it is super creative. I, I love that idea. Um, that's, that's excellent, excellent tips moving in, into 2021 because it's, it's, not, it's the most engaging platform, in my opinion, uh, video. Now, um, I wanted to also ask you, what is your uh, 121 mentoring?
0: In my one-to-one mentoring. So, one-to-one mentoring has happened a lot more. So, beforehand, I used to do group sales training face-to-face. Doing group sales training on Zoom for a half day or a full day is horrible. (laughs) It's just not an enjoyable process. So I find that after one hour, people get restless. They start looking at their phone. They just don't pay attention because it is hard staring at my screen all day. And Mm -hmm. it really is. So all my training now tends to be my group training is now one hour long, maybe once a week as opposed to a half day. And that's probably 20 to 30% of my work. But the rest of it is one-to-one coaching. So I'll, I'll contact somebody like this and they'll normally have contacted me through linkedin or because i read my book saying i really liked your book and i'm like oh fantastic what were your top three takeaways oh brilliant i'm really glad to hear that um tell me what are you struggling with what, what's like your biggest challenge at the moment and they'll say overcoming objections I'm like okay well look i got a couple of ideas i can run by if you like why don't we have a chat for five or ten minutes and if they say just email me uh, i'll say look it's always nice to talk face to face but look if you're too busy, don't worry about it. And then that way I get rid of the time wasters very early because you do not yeah. coach or try to win business by email. you got to pick up the phone and talk to people. Getting them off that phone, getting them off LinkedIn is very important. And then I'll talk to them and say, okay, what are your biggest challenges right now? What's, why, why, why haven't you achieved it? What's stopping you getting there? Okay. And you know every successful entrepreneur has a coach and every successful sports athlete has a coach? And I'll just engage, talk, converse, and then after 15, 20 minutes, I will then sell my benefits. And again, that's the way it should be in any, any sales conversation. I don't say, look, here's why you should coach me. I'll do this. I'll do this. I'll do this. No, no. Right. I listen to them. I engage. It's very conversational. And it's me asking a lot of questions. And that's what one to one sales coaching is. And ultimately, people hire me, not just for the coaching, but to get results. And yeah. I always ask them, you know, what do you want to achieve? Do you want to get 10% growth? Do you want to get? more confidence, more mindset? Do you want to empower your team? What do you want to get out of this? So I hold myself accountable. There's a lot, Again, a lot of sales trainers don't. They come in, coach, leave. And you don't hear from them until 12 months later, ties and it's like, hey, you want to rebook? Which is terrible. And you know the worst salespeople out there, I'm sorry to say this, are the majority of people who are sales trainers. They are t- terrible. And a lot of my clients share with me, my really loyal clients share with me the messages they get on LinkedIn from sale cleaners. Um, one of my clients showed me last month, to the we, we had a Zoom call and he says, I want to have some fun with you. I'm like, okay. He shared it with me. I'm like, oh my God. It was like this long, the message. I do this, I do this. I'm an award-winning sales coach. The next person, hi, I'm an award-winning sales coach. I do this, this, this. It's incredible. You don't win business that way. And most people don't get that. You have to understand what the problem is yeah. before you give a solution to a problem.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, it's interesting. We were talking about uh, sales training here at, at our company. And, you know, uh, I asked what, the, what we were going to pay them. And, and, they, and they told me and I said, uh, you know, I think that that's a problem if we'd have somebody coaching that makes a quarter of what our top reps do. I wouldn't trust them. Yeah. Right. You know, so I think that that doesn't always go hand in hand. Uh, sometimes just because you have the title doesn't mean that you're going to get the results. And I think you got to be looking at the results like you're talking about more than anything else. Um, and too many people, I think you're right. It's an easy, it's like life coaching. Like there are great people that are incredible incredible that can really help you. But a lot of people that it's like easy. I can just slap a label without really any qualifications or a track record and call myself something. Um, and then it's not really outcome driven. It's just, I'm really just it's trying to get paid driven, uh, which is disingenuous. Um, so I love your business model and how you're helping people because I think it's obvious if it's very effective and you're getting the results you want. And so are your clients, um, one of my last couple questions I got for you, I did want to p- pivot back to it is you, we were talking about the sales sequencing and, you know, I've read, um, Eat Their Lunch by Anthony Annarino. Yeah, I love him. I love him. Great book. Right. And I so where do you see LinkedIn fitting in, in the sales sequence? Because me, i am you know, I've phone all day long. If you're on my team and you're just uh, going to be an email jockey, you're going to, I'm going to be down your throat, you know, yeah. so I'm always pick up the phone first, follow, you know, with the sequence of email LinkedIn, but where do you see LinkedIn kind of coming into a sales sequence? For a lot of,
0: Okay, what's the best way to explain that? So a lot of companies, especially outside London and main cities, they don't call themselves salespeople. They call themselves account executives <laughs> mm-hmm. or BDMs. they are terrified of using the word sales. Right. And for people like that, I will encourage email and LinkedIn first. And then LinkedIn first, then email, then the telephone. Whereas if you're a bit more seasoned or you work for a company where you have to make 40 to 50 phone calls a day, it has to be phone first. So I guess it depends who my client is first. Uh, but I do find you have to be very aware of your age group. It's not a one. I don't teach the same thing to everybody. So when I teach people under the age of 30 sales training, I don't talk about the telephone. I talk about, firstly, why are you guys scared of the telephone? You have to address it. You can't just say, it's all on your mind. Get over it. Why do you hit the phone? And we have a training session for half an hour. I said, okay, awesome. Now let's talk about why the phone's amazing. And we have a long list. And I said, okay, what do you think the client, what's going to get business for you? What's going to get you your commission every month? What's going to get your holiday, your music festival, your clothes? Those are words that young people love hearing. Mm -hmm. And they say, picking up the phone. I said, exactly. You've just told me picking up the phone is the best option. Now, how many are going to pick up the phone now as soon as we finish this training session. And again, that's how you coach. What you don't do is what a lot of managers do, which is direct, do this, do this. You've got to pick up the phone. If you don't pick up the phone, you won't have a job next month. That's a terrible way to coach. But that's how so many people, so many managers coach that way. The carrot and stick approach, not effective. It really isn't. You've got to, people are people, they're human. They have feelings. You've got to take into consideration their fears they have. You have to address those fears. And then you have to help them overcome those fears. It's a process. It's why I don't do you know, my one-to-one coaching. I'll ha- I have at the moment um, eight one-to-one clients every month without fail. I don't do group coaching because all of those eight people are at different stages of their career. They right. are. Yeah. And if I do group sales coaching, one personal benefit, but three or four won't, one-to-one coaching is more time-consuming. It takes up more of my time, more of my effort. But ultimately... It gets a result for a client, and it's me having my joy. A lot of people say, "Do group coaching? It's easy. It's big money." I'm like, "Yeah, it is, but I'm not in this for the money. If I wanted to be in this for the money, I'd go buy some properties and rent them out. I do this because I love it. The money is a benefit. Mm. You know, it's not my reason for getting up in the morning. Is I must pay the bills. That's not why I get up in the morning. I get up in the morning to make a difference
1: to people. Primarily, that is what I do. What I do. It's not the money. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and great insight, too, on the age gap because I've got, I'm 36, and I've got some of my guys are about half or over 30 and about half or under 30. And you do see, you know, the ones that are below 30, it's interesting. Maybe I should look at taking a different approach uh, yeah. with them. And so we're, we pump out about four to 500 cold calls a day under of my office. Wow, oh, that's amazing! Yeah, so we're we're and I'll tell you, I got to give them a shout out because we just we finished the month last month at one hundred and eighty percent a goal. Number, oh, that's amazing! Number, well number, done! Congratulations. Yeah, n- number one of the company. So we we're I was pr- I'm really proud of them. They're they have been amazing. crushing. It.
0: Well done. That's not that's really admirable. It really is.
1: Yeah, thank you. I mean, you know, I just I keep trying to tell them that we can't use the pandemic as an excuse not to sell. I agree,
0: hundred you know? percent. That was quite interesting when March happened in twenty twenty. People were like, should you sell? Oh, I don't want to sell. It's not right. It's like, yes, it is. Stop it. You have businesses to run. You got bills to pay. I did not get any grants from the government at all. Not a penny. Not one single penny. I had to go out there and work my ass up. Right. Um, I had no choice. So I encourage people to sell because I only encourage people to do ties through exactly what I do. You know, if I'm cold calling, I, I recommend you cold call. Right. If I have success shooting videos, I recommend you do I only recommend what works for me. And it works for me I share it with my clients. When it works for my clients, then I take it to LinkedIn on the
1: world and say, try this. Yeah, love that. Absolutely love it. Now, what are some some of your success habits that you've you've learned from personal development? Do you have any that you would recommend to people who are looking to get better with personal development? or uh, I mean, it doesn't have to be sales related. It could just be anything in life that's helped you.
0: My best advice is every day before you start work, spend half an hour learning now for younger people that will be through podcasts or audible for my generation it's more books every day uh, uh, without exception like bill um what i recommend you do is read for half an hour in the morning before work because then what you learn you can implement that's why i don't coach in the afternoons i coach in the mornings so you can implement in the afternoons Instead of doing a full day of sales training, I always recommend two half days in the mornings so you can implement. That's so important. Again, a lot of sales trainers don't care. They love full days because it's big money. And I say, look, I'm losing money by doing this. I don't care. My job is to get you results. Let's do a half day today. I'll come back in a week's time to allow you time to implement what you've learned, get into your head, and then we'll do a half day. That is 10 times more effective than a full day of sales. But again, Most people will do full days. So you've got to get into these good habits. So learn half an hour before work. Um, Focus is so important. Um, Most people, every seven to 10 minutes, this is going off. Seven Mm -hmm. to 10 minutes. And when I'm doing my best work, that phone is off. It's on airplane mode. That's it. And I've never lost a deal Yet, because somebody tried to contact me and I didn't reply to their phone call within two minutes, you know it, it doesn't work yeah. like that. You know it's okay to have your phone turned off, or uh, not your phone turned off. If your if your mobile is a source of business, then at least have your notifications off of social media. But keep your phone on, vibrate or something. But keep your social media notifications off. That is a great habit. At lunchtime, don't immediately go. Okay, great, and go onto Facebook. Go for a walk. Okay, have lunch with a friend or virtual lunch with a friend. Go to the gym, cycle, meditate, walk, get away from your desk. Sales is about the long run, and not enough people, Tizer, think long term. Very few salespeople do. Most of them think, I want to get my commission so I can go on a holiday. I want to get my commission so I can go out and get drunk. I want to get my commission so I can buy some clothes. That's not what you should be thinking. You should be thinking, how do I help people long term? How do I help my clients do better? How do I serve better? How can I make a great career? Because I'll tell you what, you can make a fantastic career in sales if you do it properly. You Mm -hmm. really can.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. We're both living proof.
0: (laughs) We are. (laughs) It's
1: true.
0: I've had a really good life. And it's because a number of reasons, personal development without a doubt, the charity work without a doubt. But my sales career has given me the opportunity to do so many things. And I'm rebuilding my life now after the horrors of a divorce and losing so much money. And I'm doing well because I understand sales <laughs> because I can teach sales, but also I do sales myself. And I know that in the next 12 to 18 months I'll be flying high again. I know that for a fact Yeah, because I understand sales and I think long-term and I see it as a career, not a stopping point. Like most salespeople do.
1: Yeah. I think that uh, I would say two things. If you can sell and you can lead, you can do anything and you'll always have a job. Period. Yeah. Just double down on those two skills and it'll take you far. Um, I want to get you besides, and I recommend everybody check out uh, Everybody Works in Sales, but is there any other books that you would recommend or that have been impactful to to you in your career that you'd recommend or you gift often to people?
0: Yeah, the book I've gifted most. I bought about twenty-two copies this year of a book by Daniel Disney called "A LinkedIn Million-Pound LinkedIn Message," hmm. and because I find if a client does business with me, I like to surprise them, because again, a lot of sales trainers come in do the job, go home. So when I come in, I bring uh, six packs of beer, bottles of wine, and some chocolates. Uh, we don't get drunk during training sessions, just to make it clear, okay? <laughs> okay. okay? What I'll do is I start the day off with a prize, a competition, and I get, you know we'll have like uh, one truth and one lie, or tell me something about you nobody in this room knows. The best answer wins, but it has to be true. And that way you lift energy levels up. Most people don't do that. So I do little things like that. And if somebody asks me to come back, I'll often then as a thank you after they pay me i'll then send them five copies of daniel's book because it's a brilliant book um that's the first thing i do and sometimes I send five copies of my book but his book's been the one i've gifted the most um obviously jeb blute's book i love i'm three quarters of the way through that at the moment i've gifted the art of happiness by the dalai lama I gave that as a Christmas present to a lot of my clients last year, and they loved it. Uh, it's a book he wrote with Desmond Tutu. And it's a great book about life, love, and personal development. And again, personal development is so important in sales. You know, who you are here does matter. It's not just your sales knowledge. You've got to have not just something here, but can you see, oh, you can see my heart? Down yeah, here. Yeah. This This really does matter. And so reading books like that by these spiritual leaders, by Buddha, by martin luther king mahatma gandhi jp vasfani it does make a difference it's good for your soul there's a book by muhammad ali which his daughter wrote called soul of a butterfly uh-huh. and it's just quotes that muhammad ali gave many of which aren't that well known but they're beautiful quotes um you know there's a book about bruce lee which i'll have to send to you the link of it's fantastic you know ah, the- um, the philosophy of Bruce Lee. Oh. And it talks about so many great things about his life. That, again, people don't often know about. And those books really do make a difference. I mean, sales books are really important too. So the half an hour reading I do in the morning, it's always sales related. And then about four o'clock in the afternoon, half past four, I take a break. I go for a walk. After I pick up my nephew from school, we walk the dog. And uh, sometimes he's got his music on. So I put on personal development. You know, i listen to Dean Graziosi um, or i listen to sometimes uh, Victor Antonio, Sales Influence. Sometimes I listen to Chris Murray, the extremely successful sales club. You know, I'm always listening. And when I like things like that, again, I'll review it and I'll tell the person, by the way, I've just given you a five-star review on Amazon or I've just promoted your podcast on Twitter. I just wanted to say, well done. And they say, thank you. And a week later, I'll promote it again. Thank you. A month later, I really want to be in your podcast. Here's why, you know, and, and because sure. I've earned their right, because I've supported them, given them reviews and always tag them in the posts, that extra credibility always helps. So again, that's a good thing to do too, you know?
1: Yeah, no, I love it. Uh, I love the books you mentioned. I've actually have Daniel's uh, in my uh, saved list. So now you just spurned me to go ahead and get it. So it's one, one I listen to him right. a lot, great. you know, he has got a great LinkedIn following, like you said. Um, And he's, he's in the UK, right?
0: He's in England. He's in the UK. Yeah. We we hang out a couple of times a year. We go out for dinner. And again, it's just nice because, you know, what are your wins this quarter? What are your challenges this quarter? And then we talk about family and stuff, of course, as well. But it's just, I like knowing people like him and the Chris Murray's and the Matt Sykes of the world, Mm -hmm. Alison Edgar, and just talking sales. I mean, I know it sounds so geeky, but (laughs) I I enjoy doing that with my friends, you know?
1: Yeah, Yeah. no, I love it. No, I love it. Um, And then, Naraj, where can people connect with you? No
0: matter how many times I say to people, go to everybodyworksinsales.com. They always go to LinkedIn. So just go to LinkedIn and uh, <laughs> connect with me there. There's not that many Niraj kapur It's N-I-R-A-J-K-A-P-U-R. But if you insist on emailing me, I will reply. It's just Neeraj at everybodyworksinsales.com.
1: Okay, wonderful. And I will uh, include all of your uh, your website and your contact on and link for and for LinkedIn in the show notes, so everybody can find Naraj there as well. Naraj has been a pleasure speaking with you. Uh, it's been an hour. I usually don't go this long, so the, the time the time has flown by. So I really really appreciate your time. I know that you're busy, so thank you very much.
0: Most pleasure, Tasha. Great to see you. Take good care. You too. Thank you.